The following production is part of the Play Some Video Games Podcast Network. Welcome to Board with Video Games, the gaming podcast that strives for the right balance of coverage for games you play on your table and on your television. You can think of us as the Nostradamus and Da Vinci of gaming podcasts. We're a proud member of the PSVG Podcast Network and thrilled to be part of the Dice Tower Network as well. I'm one of your hosts, Kyle, and joining me on this co-op adventure, the guy whose predictions are of the future are so vast, he always gets some right. Josh, how are you doing this evening? Hi, I'm here. That's all that matters, right? Who cares how I'm doing? <laughs> I'm well, I, here. <laughs> I ask because I care. Yeah, I know. Uh, but it's like when you, it's like when you're at work and you ask someone, "Hey, how you doing?" And then they actually tell you how they're doing, and you're like, "Oh, you're just supposed to say good." And you, <laughs> so, I didn't actually really want to know how you're. Yeah, doing. I don't want to be that guy. Be polite. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. I thought you know you're from. New England, you people aren't polite like that, are you? Uh, yeah. Oh, really? Don't I thought if somebody asked you how you were doing, <laughs> you all just said how you were feeling. I mean, there's definitely people who do that. Um, no, people don't care here. That's why they don't answer <laughs> <laughs> with the actual answer. Gotcha. Like, they would probably <laughs> say, no, I don't want to know how you're doing. That's just what we say. And then that person would feel embarrassed. <laughs> I was going to say, like, why do you even ask them? But apparently that's just what you say. So Yeah, it's like, please and thank you. It's just, it's just a habit. Yeah, <laughs> you don't absolutely. Mean it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess things are different in your neck of the woods yeah, than they, my they, neck of the woods. They certainly uh, are. So, Josh, things are a little different than we this week than we anticipated. Yes. I think, see, and I think last week I was like, Next week, we should have barring any changes, so we did have to reschedule our guest, but uh, don't worry. Uh, yes. We still have our guests coming on soon. That's true. And there was there was just some last minute things that got in the way, which is totally fine. That happens. Mm-hmm. Not a big deal at all. And because of that, Josh, we get to have what is one of my favorite shows of the year. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, wait a second. <laughs> one of your favorite, so the other one would be Metafall. <laughs> That is correct. Meta Spring and Meta Fall, two of my favorite, favorite yeah. shows. So anyway, but we'll get to that into a little bit where we actually get into the show. But before that, we do have some news this week. So a little housekeeping to get out of the way before we get to the news. Thanks so much for joining us this week, everyone. As always, if you have any feedback, questions, suggested topics, hit us up at Board with VG on Twitter or check out all the awesome stuff over on the Instagram. Also, Board with VG. We are a proud part of Play Some Video Games and PSVG is on Patreon. We are absolutely thrilled with the support you've given us there thus far. And if you'd like to monetarily support what we do, you can find us there at patreon.com slash PSVG. But the most important thing is just that you listen and maybe share our show with someone else who you think would enjoy it. We're also a member of the Dice Tower Podcast Network. So if you enjoy our conversations about board games and would like to dive deeper into that world, we encourage you to check out the Dice Tower Podcast as well as all of the other members of the network. No matter what type of board games you enjoy, there's a podcast on the network that is right for you. Josh, before we get into the news from Tabletop, I have one quick off-the-wall question for you. Sure. 
You listen to a po- lot of podcasts, yes? I do. Do you listen to them at normal speed or time and a half? I listen to them at normal speed as they you were do. as they were intended. So here's the funny thing. I used to listen to them at normal speed and was appalled at people who listen to them at time and a half. Josh, I listen to them at time and a half now. And when I listen to them at normal, it sounds like people are talking through syrup. It's so slow. But I talk really fast in general. Yeah. So I wonder what – so I, at time and a half, sound really, really bad. Not that I sound good normally anyway, but my goodness, at time and a half, I'm a little unbearable. I just – I don't get it. Uh, why Why – why do that? Why time and half? Things are not meant to sound like that. So you're really ruining your ears for any normal audio that you'll ever hear. Here's actually the interesting thing about that is that it actually increases the ability for your brain to retain and understand knowledge at high speeds. So you're actually able to retain and understand more knowledge. There's been studies about this. And the reason I bring it up is because in my work, at my job, there's a lot of um, software that exists for being able to like dictate or translate notes into audio format for maybe people who um, have really bad um, like writing deficiencies or if they have some sort of um, something that would prevent them from being able to like take notes effectively. Uh, and it's really interesting because they have shown that just universally, people being able to listen to the material, and if you listen to it and gradually increase the speed, you're actually able to retain and understand knowledge faster. Than if you listen to everything at normal speed. Yeah, but they didn't study my brain. <laughs> and also, don't you lose the human connection? No, here's what I will say. Anything that I listen to that is timing-based, whether it be comedy or something like that, that I don't increase. Right, but how it's do you only- know going into a podcast you are listening to at an advanced speed that you're going, you're not missing something that they do drop in that is more similar to what you're listening to at normal speed. What do you mean? Like you said you don't listen to comedy at Right. So what if so I maybe I don't know, maybe that's not maybe it's more black and white than I thought. I don't know. I just I can't do it. Um Yeah, do I maybe miss a funny moment in a non funny show or a show that isn't typically funny? I might. That's definitely for sure. But if I'm listening to like I listen to like a lot of MMA podcasts that are just giving me information, yeah, I I can consume that faster, and then I can listen to more podcasts. Hey, I mean, more power to to you and the people who do that. I just I would never do that. Um, one as an audiophile, and two as uh, I mean, I I just really enjoy podcasts listening to them, and I just I don't I don't know I like to listen to it as they are recorded as they're intended to be listened to in my brain. You know? Yeah, that's fine. But yeah, I don't. Know. I, I, I mean, I don't. I don't know how you can do it. So good for you, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know how I could do it either. I thought it was a horrible, horrible thing. And then I just was like, "How am I going to get through all these without doing this?" And then I did it, and it wasn't too bad. It took a little bit of a transition, but I got there. Now I don't listen to music or anything that way. Well, why not? Pod- because is that the line? I, <laughs> the line I, is I, I, music. <laughs> I, I, I feel that devalues the music. But again, if somebody else wants to do that, I guess go to town. So, all right. Anyway, news. That was a little longer than I anticipated. Okay. Uh, what's going What's going on in the tabletop world, Josh? Well, um, in a world where Asmodee is buying everybody, we have actually um, two new uh, board game studios uh, entering the fray. Too soon, Bebop by Asmodee. <laughs> uh, first, we have Evergreen Studio. Uh, this is probably f- more exciting and uh, confusing to me uh, than the other one, but we'll start here. 
Mm-hmm. So, uh, some some uh, longtime game design partners, Daryl Andrews and Adrian uh, Adamescu. Uh, I'm probably like I always every board game designer. I gotta butcher all their names. At least Daryl Andrews. I probably messed that up somehow too. Uh, they're they they are known for um, Sagrada um, and Sinister Six uh, individually. They join forces with Eli Gingerich, formerly of Maple Games, um, and a new designer named Adam Singer to form Evergreen Studio. Uh, this is from DiceTowerNews.com if you want to read the article. Um, uh, Evergreen Studio is a new game design and cons- consultation group. So here's my – there's I have a worry, and then I have something I think is exciting. So my worry is their focus, according to them. The focus of Evergreen will be the creation of amazing games. Okay, so that's subjective. Like, you can't promise you're going to make amazing games. You can shoot well, for amazing games. <laughs> at, at least they didn't say their focus was on making mediocre games. No, you're absolutely right. But you know, I mean, like, the so- creation of games, that's a good start. Um, and then uh, prioritizing quality over profits. Now, that sounds like a bad idea to me. Oh, all right. Over profits. Capitalists. <laughs> no, I mean, you're a new studio. You should be focusing on profit, right? Am I crazy? <laughs> well, I guess it depends on, on, on how you look at, you know, profit versus gross revenue and all of those things, right? Like, is profit uh, only abo- – is profit what you look at when you say above and beyond salaries and everything like that? Or is profit right. just any – you know what I'm saying? And granted, there's obviously official business terms for what is what. But as laymen, when talking about that, yeah, I think, you know, you want to make enough profit to um, continue to be able to be a viable business. Yeah, I mean, but <laughs> that sentence makes me think, hey, we're going to be in the red, but we're just going to be putting out quality board games. <laughs> so, no, you want to be in the black. Please, if you're going to be a successful game studio, you know, just make some money so you can keep making games. <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't know. That's just that's just the way I read it. I'm obviously, their goal isn't going to be to lose money. I I do know that. It's just right. a weird way to phrase it. Uh, for my for me, uh, the studio is going to occasionally acquire uh, game des- uh, games designed by external inventors, but it looks like mostly they're focusing on in-house game design. Um, but they're also looking at commission design. Um, Kickstarters, uh, Kickstarter consulting, etc., to make well to make that profit. Their core foundations, uh, as they list, are one, eco and environmental friendliness; two, inclusivity for all gamers; and three, the production of aesthetically and mechanically beautiful games. Um, and they are out of Waterloo, Canada, and they will be uh, having sponsored uh, evergreen events and a division dedicated to local events and game design. So what do you think about this news? I think it's interesting. I think it's very neat to see. And I think there are some uh, board game companies who have started to do this a little more uh, upfront. But I, I do think it's very cool to see them kind of taking the stance that you see businesses in all other industries take in that it's like, yes, we sell X product, but we sell X product and we stand for Y. And that they are those things are... Come together. They're not, oh, and also this, it, it is part of who they are up front. Um, and when you read their website, which is just evergreenboardgames.com, they, they lay it out very, very 
Clearly, you know, for environmentally friendly, they say we love board games. However, we also care about the world around us. For all board games we make, we will consider the environmental impact of our games. This means things like small box sizes. Another example, for each game sold, we will donate to charity for an evergreen tree to be planted. More details about this coming soon. Now, I hear that. That sounds super awesome. I am supportive of that. Uh, small box sizes, though, Josh. You know, I'm <laughs> someone who complains about I want every box size yeah. to be the same size. Uh, but maybe they can all be the smaller box size. Uh, and I do wonder, you know, when it comes to small box sizes, when it and not that I don't know the total ins and outs of this, but obviously there are certain sizes that are less expensive to produce, right? Um, and they're easier to ship and everything else because smaller does not always equal less expensive. Um, so, so I do wonder when those things come into conflict or if those things do come into conflict, what decision they will make. Uh, but maybe that goes along with their, you know, statement about things being beautiful. Uh, but they'd say very clearly, quote, this means our games will be expensive. Right. But our hope is to find larger publishers to partner with who can use economy of scale to offer better prices and distribution. So it sounds like, you know, they're really going to try to put their money where their mouth is and that these core values and their inclusivity, um, they talk very clearly about being LGBTQ friendly. Um, they, they really seems like they're trying to focus on these core things about them. Um, and I wish them all the success in the world. You know, I hope it works out for them. Uh, like you said, though, this isn't something we've necessarily seen too much in the board game world yet. Right. So, yeah. More of that. But hey, they have a good track record. They certainly do. As far do. as the designers. They have good you know, the designers pedigree. Are, yeah. For sure. Well, speaking of uh, a good pedigree, uh, our next studio, Deep Print Games, uh, is the next uh, new company to be created. Um, Deep Print Games uh, is out of Berlin. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a new game publisher that has been – it's being formed by Peter Eggert. And Philip L. Alawi, uh, they're both formerly of Eggert Spiel and Plan B Games. So uh, that's pretty big. Mm-hmm. Um, alongside with Victor uh, Kobalik, he's also from Eggert Spiel and Plan B. And Matthias Nagy from Frosted Games and Carson Esser and Andres Finkernagel. Oh, boy. Why? Why do I get uh, both CEOs of Pegasus Spiel? So uh, the last two uh, are going to be working in more of a supporting role, but they will also be uh, Prince exclusive distributor. Uh, Pegasus Spiel will be uh, in Germany, Austria, and Switzerland. Uh, their intention, as stated, is to become a flagship publisher for family games as well as core games and gamers' games. So, all the games. Um, yes. They said they don't want to limit ourselves in categories, but rather through dedicated editing, realize great game ideas from well-known and new designers in such a way that they offer unique game experiences and leave a lasting impression, uh, according to Victor Kobelik. Um Their first published game, uh, Renature, will be released at Essen this year. Um, it's an area control game that uses dominoes designed by Wolfgang Kramer and Michael Kiesling. Uh, development is also underway on other future games, including Gamers Games and a redesign of a classic game. Uh, this is, again, on Dice Tower News. Kyle, what is a Gamers Game? That's a great question. <laughs> I assume it's something that would be considered a hobby board game and not a 
I think it's heavier, probably, maybe a euro uh, or a very uh, theme intensive Ameritrash, Amerithrash game, right? That's what a gamer's game is, yeah? I, I don't know. Maybe it's literally a gamer's game and it's uh, a video game, board game. <laughs> that could be. I, I don't really know what a gamer's game is, It's uh, but it's definitely intriguing, whatever it is. <laughs> I just want to find out what their their definition of a gamer's game is. Okay, if answer this question then, Josh. If mm. somebody gave you a box and said, in this box <laughs> is a gamer's game, what would you expect or anticipate is in there? I, I, I literally wouldn't know what that description means. So <laughs> okay. I guess I would just assume it's a board game for a gamer, <laughs> like a board gamer. Like it could be anything, literally. It could be, there could be a dead cat inside. It could be an alive cat. I don't know. Do you get okay. the reference? Yeah, I do get okay. Yes, I do get you that. the luck you gave. <laughs> you gave. <laughs> well, you know. Yeah, you just called me out on be using a bad um, analogy <laughs> for this No, game. I, di- I didn't. I didn't at all. <laughs> uh, so what do you think about Deep Print Games? Excited for more board game companies? Excited by the people involved? It's interesting because obviously they're big names in the industry. Maybe big names a little more in... Uh, Europe than than here necessarily yeah. things that we don't necessarily know as much. Uh, Wolfgang Kramer, obviously the you know first game designer that they they have on is, you know he's done a lot of stuff. He he's definitely been around. You know he's done El Grande. He I think did Downforce back in like the original version of that. I think. Hmm. Um. So he, you know they are getting people with good names and the folks running it have a ton of industry experience. I almost just wonder if it's, yeah, do we need another board game company? And I, I say that, obviously, anyone can start their own company. I wish everyone who does, like, all the luck in the world. But I feel like people are just leaving companies to form their own companies, and maybe that way they can get done what they want to, or they have games that they really want to get published that they haven't been able to yet. Right. And maybe some of those will be breakout hits. I have no idea. that They might work really, really well. I just feel like all of the things we've heard about the industry over the last two years is that the industry is going to start to shrink, at least the number of games produced. Yeah. That th- there's not going to be as much room for all of these games and, and games are going to have to be bigger and more expansive and more expensive. And maybe you get some additional, you know, things out of them down the line when you make some expansions. And maybe that's why these companies are forming, right? That there, there's fewer opportunities for people to publish. Henceforth, they're like, fine, I'll publish it myself. Um, I hope they all have a ton of luck. I hope things work out really well for them. Uh, I'm just nervous that they're about how much space there is in the industry right now. Sure. That makes sense. That makes sense. What about you? Are you excited for these two companies? Yeah. I mean, I agree with, I agree with what you're saying. Um, I, and I do. And I think it's been proven that. This year, we're going to start seeing quality versus quantity, I think, with mm-hmm. the exception of Kickstarter, I think. Um, but, I mean, more choice is good, too. So, you know, maybe since we're doing less games, you know, more studios give uh, some games that might not make it out a chance to come out from a different, you know, publisher. I know that they're both kind of focusing on um, their, like, own game board game creation but i think they're they both said they're open to other ideas and, and right. bring games in so i mean we'll see but i i think that um 
um, the sorry, deep foot games, deep print games is is definitely something that we will see less of, just because it sounds like it's yeah. going to be European um, company. For sure. uh, but I mean, I'm excited for now, and we'll see what happens. I'm not too worried about them failing because honestly, no offense to anyone, I don't want to see people lose their jobs, but we don't know what we're losing if we just never see it come to that's fruition true. so that's very true um, we might talk about that in the video game news yeah <laughs> so good for uh, them for trying at least yeah real quick before you move on you mentioned kickstarter yeah uh by the time this episode posts or the day this episode posts uh we'll have another kickstarter that's going to be up as uh come on's marvel united kickstarter is supposed to launch on the 11th also, Wonderland Wars comes out on the 11th as well on Kickstarter. Oh, goodness. Okay. That's so, hey. James Hudson's game. Yeah. A couple more big Kickstarters on the horizon. <laughs> um, obviously, you backed Foundations of Rome, correct? Uh-huh. I did, yes. As did, as did I. Nice. Okay. So, now that we have both backed Foundations of Rome, what do you think the chances, what percentage chances there that you are going to back Marvel United? Oh, I mean, it really depends on what the game is. Uh, you know, if this is going to be a heavy miniatures game and not just a game that has miniatures, I'm probably mm-hmm. out. Uh, but if it's more or less the equivalent of like a dungeon crawl with miniatures, I'm 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 interested. I mean, it just depends on the price, I guess. Yeah. You? I don't know. I think it's gonna be a hard sell for me at this point. I, yeah, I don't know that I don't know that I've ever backed a come on Kickstarter. So yeah, I, don't I know haven't. If this- yeah, so I don't know if this would be my first one, but thematically, this is probably the most interested I've been in one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just very interested to see. But Foundations of Rome, though, I'm very excited about it. Uh, that, was, that was a tough... That, that was kind of my board game budget for yeah. a couple months yeah. there. So, <laughs> Well, I uh, reached we'll out to Emerson. He thanked us um, for backing and supporting uh, his game, and he was very excited. And it sounds like I might catch up with him at the end of the month at TotalCon. Oh, very cool. Very cool. Yeah. All right. Well, I just thought I'd interject that. Yeah. Take it away, sir. It's okay. Our last story, uh, I guess you could count. Uh, this It's a problematic story and not probably for the reason that the title makes it seem. Uh, GOP state senator wants legislative pages, uh, and that's like pages like NPC pages, um, to stop playing secret Hitler at work. Uh, I could read this story to you i don't want to waste too much time i'm just going to tell you i don't necessarily think that the game is as important as the fact that people are playing a board game on the clock at work <laughs> it's the government in the what government do you think happens <laughs> what do you think happens uh and apparently there's a expansion for secret hitler that came out in 2017 that includes Trump. I didn't. I'm not aware of that. But according I to the article, uh, they believe that that's true. That's. <laughs> I don't think it's uh, by the people who made Secret Hitler, if there is one, um, because that's the Cards Against Humanity people. Right. And I would have seen some uh, promotion, I think, for that. But who knows? That I could totally be wrong. Uh, this is out of Wisconsin. Uh, so yeah, apparently a group of uh, they say between five to ten. I don't know. That's uh, there's about six pages that are playing Secret Hitler on the clock, not on break, not on lunch, just while they're supposed to be doing what a page does for the government. <laughs> um, and the article goes on to describe 
the secret Hitler. If you are listening to this and don't know, um, you can look it up. I don't need to describe what secret Hitler is to you, but there's liberals and there's fascists. It's a very tongue-in-cheek, not-to-be-taken-seriously game. However, maybe if you have a job in the government, currently it's not a great place to be playing uh, Secret Hitler or Secret Trump or whatever you want to play. Uh, I just, I kind of agree with the senator who says, you know, uh, maybe if these people have enough time to play Secret Hitler while they're working, we have too many pages on staff, and I agree with that. <laughs> uh, so, number one, uh, the Trump pack is an official thing from Secret Hitler. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, it was released in June. Here's what the write-up on the website says. Released in June of 2017, the Trump pack added five new secret roll cards to the hit party game Secret Hitler, featuring Donald Trump and prominent members of his administration. The Trump pack included a bonus Mike Pence card, <laughs> suitable for use in case of impeachment or resignation. Well, they had the foresight to predict Well, they were, yeah, they were <laughs> something. just in case, just in case. Uh, okay, so I think while I agree that, you know, if you're on the clock, you should probably be doing your job. I 100% do agree with that. But from what I know of a page's job, and I, I'm not an expert in this. Their job is a lot of sitting around and waiting in the sense of you need to be able to do something as soon as we tell you to. And so you're not like working on anything until you get told to do a thing and then you do the thing and then you wait again to be told to do a thing. Sure. Is my understanding. Now, I could be wrong. Maybe they have, especially the full time ones. Maybe they have these huge expansive projects they're working on. But uh, pages, from my understanding, very much seem to be. We need this really done really quickly. We need this done really quickly. We forgot this thing. Go get that thing. That sort of a task. So you're going to have some downtime. So not saying Secret Hitler is the perfect thing for them to be playing, Josh, <laughs> but what do you think would be more productive things for them to be doing during their downtime as they wait for their next assignment? Well, the article does state that they are typically allowed to work on homework uh, when they have downtime. So that seems like a pretty good uh, use of uh, paid on the clock time. Um, I mean, hey, if they have downtime, I get it. As a tax-paying citizen, would I be frustrated to hear that I'm paying someone technically to play board games while they're on the clock? It, depending on my age, I might be frustrated by that. <laughs> um, I will say there is a little bit, there is some defense here. So other uh, senators or people in Senate, I should say, weighed in and. Senator Luther Olson, a Republican, uh, said he would write an email about the game if uh, he said, sorry, would he write an email about the game if they were playing Monopoly? I don't know. So that's <laughs> definitely uh, part of it. Another senator, the Democrat Chris Larson, says that it's uh, Nass, the person who's um, uh, going after these pages, um, is taking the issue too far and that senators shouldn't be micromanaging page staff who aren't employed by any one Senate office. So that's a pretty good defense. And then uh, one more is uh, when we need something done, they are very responsible. Uh, still, Chris Larson says, uh, but he also does not condone any use of a game that would seek to glorify Hitler or Nazis. So <laughs> it's a good uh, end of his sentence to get in there. Uh, yeah, I mean, it it is what it is. Here's what I say. If you're going to play... Secret Hitler while you're working. Just don't let people know you're doing it. Problem <laughs> solved. 
be a little bit more secret about Secret Hitler. <laughs> That's all. I mean, it's a funny story. Don't play Secret Hitler in public if you work for the government or maybe a school system or anywhere <laughs> right. where impressionable minds right. are around. Um, and if you do it, don't let people know you're playing it. I'll be honest, it's part of the reason I don't own the game. Uh, yeah, it's definitely uh, um, a, t- a tough uh, title to get by before you start yeah. playing it, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. I just, yeah, just with my work and that I do, you know, work in, even though I work in higher ed, it is, you know, part of my salary is paid for by tax dollars and all that good stuff. So I do as little, as much as I can to avoid things like that whenever possible. <laughs> so, but I guess Paige is in Wisconsin. They're hey, living the big life. <laughs> it is Wisconsin. I don't want to crap on Wisconsin, but it might. I mean, everyone else it, does. It might be quiet out there. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anything else about board game news or anything else you want to talk about before we jump into video game news? That is all the board game news. Awesome. Well, we will jump into some video game news then. You know, Josh, you know what's not uncommon in video games? Uh, are you talking uh, this year in general or um, a broader question? I, I know the answer. Both. I don't want to spoil <laughs> the reveal. <laughs> it's actually kind of both. Yes. It's kind of both. Uh, so what would you say? What's pretty common? Uh, you want me to say it? Because it's in front of me on paper. Okay. Well, Josh, Digital what's common paper. is delays. <laughs> it's you know, delays. delays. Games get delayed all the time. Yes. And, you know, one of the darlings of last year, The Outer Worlds, did not release day and date on Switch. Uh, and they had announced that the Switch port of the game would be coming in March. But that game has now been delayed. But the reason it's been delayed is not one I was anticipating. Uh, from Private Division, the publisher of the game, they said on Twitter that, quote, We're delaying Outer Worlds on Nintendo Switch due to the coronavirus impacting the Virtuos team working on the port to provide them enough time to finish the development. Josh. Yeah. Game is delayed due to flu is this a sign to come there's been some rumors that uh console launches might be delayed as a result of this as well and the board game world has started talking about getting things now that we're back or just about back from the chinese new year um how things getting ramped back up has been a bit of a challenge uh do you think this is a one-off or do you think this is the first of others that are about to come i mean board game uh, um, plants are shut down right now because right. Uh, it. I don't want to say it's a one-off. I don't think it's a sign of things to come though. Like this is not just the flu anymore. This is a big deal. Uh, it uh, is, you know. And uh, it's funny that we we get to sit here and complain about games getting delayed, but <laughs> really, it's a problem for a lot of people. <laughs> Right, <laughs> where right. People are dying and people are ill. Um, and I and I think today I just read the death toll has pa- surpassed SARS from two thousand three, mm-hmm. uh, which is huge. So, yes. uh, yeah, I mean we're probably going to see a lot more delays um, for things manufactured in China, and that's pretty much everything. It is just about everything at this point, <laughs> and I hope nobody thinks I was making light. Oh of no, the no, I wasn't implying that either. I'm just saying. Okay, that I just we're we're sitting in a privileged location currently, oh, yes. and that could change. Yes, we are at any minute. Honestly, it could. <laughs> it could. 
Uh, but I will say I was surprised by this because I had not until this happened. I hadn't considered it. Obviously, people are not working. Offices are shut down. Factories are shut down. I yeah. I had understood that, but I never had really thought about what that meant, which is because, I, I like you said, sitting in a very privileged place where I don't have to worry about it right now. Yeah. Uh, so I am very interested. In, and like I said, there have been a lot of rumors about uh, new consoles potentially being delayed because of this as well. <laughs> Um, yeah. And some potential big board games as well being delayed as a result of these things. And obviously, in a situation like this, you know, those extraneous things, that's not I would much rather people delay those things and think this gets taken care of than me being upset that I don't get to play a PS5 in 2020. Sure. Right? But the Internet doesn't agree with you. <laughs> I, I I understand that. <laughs> the Internet is a very I, angry place to be. Uh, no, you're right. I, I didn't really um put together this like just like you i'm not picturing um products not being made and things not being manufactured because it's just right. not something that i don't think we think about um especially with lots of things being automated but still you gotta you gotta have that human element there and yeah uh that's the big question right we haven't had any release dates announced for consoles so do they factor this in before they before Sony comes out and says a release date? Does Xbox hold off on a release date as well? Right. Like does this E three not happen? To like what are we going to see? How much is it going to affect? Um, and like I understand a lot of games can be released digitally, mm-hmm. but if this is more than just a manufacturing problem and it's still a development problem, then that that will affect all games. Right, for sure. I I do think that, you know, both Xbox and PlayStation uh, not announcing price and release date, I think was they were, A, a little bit trying to hammer things out, but B, trying to kind of see if they could figure out when the other one was going. Yeah. yeah. But I would guess that both of them are probably thankful right now that they haven't done those things. That's true. Um, And like I said, for the good of everyone, I hope this all gets, that coronavirus gets taken care of. And that everyone can go get back to being healthy and happy again, <laughs> uh, you know, as best we can, at least. But, yeah, I'll be very interested to see how this plays out and if this does become a bigger story down the line. So, speaking of things releasing, uh, Ubisoft, and it's kind of that time of year where all of the companies are doing their finan- quarterly financial calls. Uh, and Ubisoft just did one recently, and they said that they're going to be releasing a three- triple a games by the end of 2020 and really that's probably quarter three quarter four this year right probably shouldn't say that because that messes up with financial quarters probably sometime between september and december right that's what they want to do yeah (laughs) yeah so obviously three of the five big games that they have out there right now they said that this fiscal year they'll release a total of five triple a games yeah um watchdogs legion rainbow six quarantine and god gods and monsters are three of those games uh the other two according to jason schreier are assassin's creed and far cry mm-hmm. josh if you had to guess which three of those are hitting before december 31st 2020 i'm gonna be honest with you i don't think uh, three games will be out before the end of this year. Okay. Which ones do you think <laughs> will be, if any, then? I think Rainbow Six is probably a good bet because they're using, like, uh, uh, already, like, um, a game engine that already exists. So it's probably right. easier for them to, to get that out. I think mm-hmm. Watch Dogs, based on what people, what they're describing this game to be, I don't see that coming out this year. 
Okay. Um, just because of how big this game is supposedly going to be. Um, right. We'll probably see Far Cry because it, I'm going to guess it probably uses uh, Far Cry 5's engine. Mm-hmm. Um, so it might be more like a, you know, just a uh, new coat of paint on a Far Cry right. game. Kind of like, I think, was it, which one was Primal? That was three. That was four, that was four. I think. There was like two Far Cry games before five that were very similar, except the, the just the theme was different. Yeah, that was. I think that was Primal and Four. Okay, that there was literally the same map. Yeah, but so that, I, think, I could see them the, doing something check. like that. Um, but yeah, I don't think we see gods and monsters. Um, and I don't know about Assassin's Creed, man. Like, why rush it? Maybe, it, maybe it's ready, but they said it's like what ten times bigger than Odyssey <laughs> or something <laughs> yeah. crazy like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and just for clarification, I don't know. I forgot about this. Uh, Far Cry Three, the one that kind of came along with it, or the its standalone one was Blood Dragon. Blood Dragon, okay, okay. Which I totally don't know why I forgot about that. Then yes, four had Primal, and now five, and then five got new down. Yeah, I think I think we'll probably see Far Cry and Rainbow Six this year, but I'm just skeptical about like obviously they're off to a bad start and saying they're going to get five AAA games out. It just seems like a, a daunting task, and I don't know that anyone's asking them to commit to that. Like, right. just get your games out. Like, we're ready. We're waiting. When they're out, they're out. We still have to wait on Skull and Bones still. Like, <laughs> is that yeah. the other one? <laughs> because well, what happened to that said, game? <laughs> they said Skull and Bones, I think, and their last financial call or two financial calls ago. Maybe it was longer ago than that. Uh, they said Skull and Bones is 2021. That's Fiscal 2021. Crazy. Yeah, so after <laughs> or no, twenty twenty two, I guess it would be because the year it's the year the fiscal year ends. So yeah, so it will release after a after March twenty twenty one is when Skull and Bones will come out. So they must have scrapped it and went total next gen. They they must have <laughs> and potentially completely overhauled yeah um a ton of stuff because also um oh the other game they're working on that everybody wants oh uh, Beyond Good and Evil yeah Beyond Good and Evil two. Uh, also is going to be sometime after March 2021. Yeah. Um, okay, so here is my question for you then. Number one, are you excited about a new Far Cry? And if so, or if not, either way, uh, where would you want it set? What setting would you pick for it? Yeah, I'm excited. I mean, you know you know how much I liked Far Cry 5. Um, Setting-wise, I don't know. They've already done the Tropical Island thing. But this was my yep. first Far Cry I played, so... You know, I'm kind of up for whatever they want to do. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe they take a twist and do sci-fi or medieval. Maybe they like really take a big twist on that and and change the setting completely. So you're not just using machine guns and shotguns again. Uh, right. That would be interesting to me. But um, I mean, I'm just kind of excited to see what they decide to do. Yeah, I don't know. I. I, I liked Far Cry 5, but obviously not as much as other people on the PSVG team. Yeah. Um, I, I, for me, whether I'd want to play it right away would really depend on what is coming out next to or around. So, yeah, I, I think if I had to guess, I think Assassin's Creed, Rainbow Six Quarantine, and Watch Dogs Legion are going to be the three that would release this year. And Gods of Monsters and Far Cry would be next year. Gotcha. Just because, just because Gods of Monsters, we've only ever seen that short trailer, that teaser trailer is all we ever saw. Yeah. Watch Dogs Legion, there was a significant amount of gameplay in that game that we've already seen. So I, I'm hoping, or at least assuming, is further along than we anticipated. 
Um, and Assassin's Creed games, I think, and kind of like Far Cry too, they they have become even though they innovate and do new stuff. I think they've become so proficient at making those that having that out this year wouldn't make sense. And I think I could see them wanting to launch it with new consoles, just like they did Black Flag. Yeah. Yep. That makes sense. So, but we'll see. Um, I, you know, five games of that quality or of that name stature out in a year, I think is potentially a very, very good year for any company. So we'll see if that holds true. Uh, what do you think the chances are all five of those will be out? by march 2021 what percent chance 10 okay 10 percent. there we go i wasn't gonna go much higher i was gonna say like 25 okay uh, ooh, 10 okay well awesome anything else you want to say about ubisoft and their AAA games that they are going to be releasing potentially maybe i mean make no mistake i love ubisoft i really do i think they make mm-hmm. awesome games i just i i i really feel like for some reason they felt pressure to 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 I don't know, announce these games or promise dates. Like, I don't know why. I just get this weird feeling that um, they're just under pressure to get these things. And then it says next-gen support. So now we're like, okay, so what else are you doing to these games now? Right. And how much next-gen support? What does that mean? There's so right. many, like, variables that I just – I. it's not that I don't have confidence in them as a studio. I just think – I just for some reason feel like they're being pressured to to say this. Like, just get yeah. the games out when they're ready. Like, we're used to delays. Just get them out. <laughs> well, I mean, in theory, though, three of those games we were supposed to be playing now, almost kind of now-ish. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. All right. Next news story. And what could be some, I think, big news for fans of the Gears of War franchise? Rod Ferguson, who's overseen the last few installments of Gears of War, is leaving the coalition for Blizzard to head up their Diablo offerings. Now, Josh, you're a fan of Gears of War. I'm a fan of Gears of War. Uh, obviously, The Coalition, one of Xbox's first-party studios, uh, you know, created specifically for Gears. Yeah. Uh, hearing the news, you know, how, how did you take it? What are your thoughts on this? Uh, I think it's it's big news. Uh, I mean, Mike Kabara leaves Xbox, goes to Blizzard, and then, you know, this is his... He's like, I'm bringing you out with me. So here comes yeah. Rod Ferguson, and he might not be the last person to come over. Right. The thing that I thought was most interesting was that he's taking over Diablo, which means they didn't have confidence potentially in who's overseeing Diablo right now. I think that's the bigger right. news. Uh, that might have something to do with Diablo Immortal still not being out on phones. Um, uh, that might have something to do with a new direction they want to take Diablo. Mm-hmm. Um, so and and the fact that this will be the first new Diablo game that will launch simultaneously with consoles, so maybe they want right. that console experience. That could be. Uh, so I think all those things are potential. I just don't know how. I don't know enough about Rod Ferguson. To, um to know if this is a good move for diablo not for like rod like right um and i know a lot of people know who rod ferguson is and and probably know a lot more about him than i do so i would try to lean on their like expertise more for that but uh, it seems like a good thing for blizzard and, and and a bad thing for the coalition yeah i would agree it definitely seems like that uh, uh very very interesting i could be wrong 
I feel like potentially he left Epic okay. to go to the Coalition to head up Gears of War. I that could be wrong, but I feel like that's correct. Um, so he has had a long history with the series, but then was kind of in charge of it, if you would. Uh, you know, when the Coalition took over and started doing it. Overall, uh, I know you and I now that one of us finished Gears Five. Correct. Do we think this is an exciting potential for a fresh start for the franchise? Do we think that had anything to do? With Rod, do we think that's something totally different, just happenstance of our gaming's taste changing? Uh, what do you think about what your relationship uh, will be with Gears moving forward, and do you think there's a chance for rebirth there? I mean, it's totally possible that um, with him leaving, it leaves space for someone with a new vision for Gears to come in, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, he could also be a person who was pushing for more of the same for Gears, which was my problem with Gears 5. Right. Um, so that also could have been something that he was holding them back from moving forward. I don't know. Um, But, I mean, the one thing we do know is the next Gears game after Gears Tactics will be a Gears game without Rod Ferguson. So we'll definitely see where his influence was um, and how much there was of it. So um, I'm, I'm excited to see what we get for Gears next gen. I agree. And good luck to him. Like you said, I hope this means that well, yeah, I hope this doesn't mean that, like you said, that Diablo is in a rough place, right? Hopefully yeah. it is in good shape or that things are going well there. And this is just kind of a way to get it over the finish line, if you would, but or to get different perspectives on things. Um, but yeah, this could might this might mean that the next Diablo is a little further away than we anticipated. Yep. So, all right. Next story. Speaking of creating things we never see, uh, Josh, did you know that PlayStation had a studio in Manchester? I I didn't know it until I saw the news. Oh, well, they don't anymore, (laughs) so I guess it didn't matter. Uh, So PlayStation shut down Sony Manchester, um, who even just a few weeks ago was still hiring for open positions. But this studio was formed specifically to create VR games. So that was kind of what their charge was and what they were created to do. Uh, and they never released a game and they got shut down. Yeah, so formed by th- <laughs> yeah, I think they were formed back in 2015 or so. Um, and like I said, really with a gear, an eye towards PSVR and, and creating games for that. Uh, what does this news mean to you? When you hear that, you hear that Sony shut the studio down. Um, what are your thoughts on it? What what is What story does that tell? Uh, well, so... Being new to PSVR and really enjoying it, I think what it says to me is that they just didn't hire the right staff to to develop a VR game because mm-hmm. there are good VR games out there. It's not like right. um, you created a studio to create a, a VR game and VR is just impossible to develop for and right. no one's buying it. Like There's definitely um, this boom for VR, so... I think that it just means that they just didn't get the right team in the studio to get whatever game they were supposed to get done, done. Right. Yeah. And I think unfortunately that tends to be management, right? That's usually studio management doesn't quite do what they're supposed to do. Um, And as a result, a whole bunch of people who are not management uh, no longer have jobs. So, yeah. You know, we wish the best to everyone who's affected. Um, and, you know, I don't think this is there are some people who are like, oh, Sony's clearly not committed to VR. I don't think that's the case. I think this is just a situation where they have discovered in working with teams like Camouflage um, and others that, 
you know, you really have to have a very special group um, who wants to do VR stuff. And uh, between their London studio, who did Blood and Truth, and then Studio Japan, who did Astrobot, and now the person who oversaw Astrobot is actually now just in charge of creative at Japan yeah. Studio. Um, so I think they're still committed. I think that this maybe studio just didn't work out. Uh, but I do hope, especially with, you know, Xbox really pushing still. And, you know, obviously they haven't added any studios recently, but their their output of first party games is, I think, as we roll into the new generation, going to be pretty significant. Um, losing a studio, is, uh, it still hurts, right? Even though they never released a game, uh, knowing that that's not a possibility anymore, it definitely hurts a little bit. So hopefully they're able to reallocate and look at things a little bit differently moving forward and hopefully create something new out of that. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, uh, people, when this article came out on, on the internet, people, I, I saw the same thing. People saying like, Sony's giving up on VR, blah, blah, blah. Like they did what they have to do. They created this platform PSVR can live on without a first-party Sony game. It's best known yeah. for it's not first-party games. I mean, Blood and right. Truth is the big one, right? But like, there's so many other games that are um, doing great that aren't by Sony. But Sony, you know, Sony they did the tough part. They got PSVR to be successful. Right. So, as far as I'm concerned, um, it stinks that they have to close the studio, but they're not giving up on VR. Yeah. And, you know, who knows? There's still a whole bunch. Of, they've never officially announced their their what is supposed a new studio uh, in, San, in the San Diego area. Uh, and also, you know, there's other talks of acquisitions there that are supposedly going to be announced whenever, you know, they reveal more about the PlayStation 5. Supposedly, maybe. It's who supposed knows? supposed to be this month, I guess. Who knows yeah, what's going to we'll happen? We'll see. We'll see. All right. And final video game news story. And I, I don't want to give... Anyway, we're going to talk about this, but I don't think maybe necessarily in the way people think we're going to. Uh, so Phil Spencer, in an interview, said that he thinks PlayStation and Nintendo are no longer Microsoft's competitors. So, Josh, when you saw the headlines that were being made with this, yeah, uh, wh- what did you think? <laughs> uh, honestly, I thought this out loud. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, because, like... We know how the internet is. We know how people are. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be blown out of proportion. Without it anyone is, yeah. reading the article and right. understanding what his point was. Right. Um, so, yeah, of course. Man, it's just so toxic. I can't even like read anything about this without seeing <laughs> the most hateful comments I've ever seen. So, yeah. I'll tell you what it means. It means we're dumb for listening to Phil Spencer and we're just Microsoft sheeples and... Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Is that what that means? I don't even know. No, that's what the pe- that's what people are saying. Oh, gotcha. Okay. That's not what it means. He's not <clears throat> he's not wrong. Uh, right. He's and I, I view it as he, they sh- they shouldn't be focusing on PlayStation Nintendo as competitors because I th- you know, he's looking at what Microsoft is trying to do is they're getting away from the gaming company aspect of it. So, you know, his his competition is now <clears throat> what did he say? He said Google, Amazon, and Amazon. So, like, look at those two companies. They're not known as game developers. They're not known mm-hmm. as console producers. And I think that Phil is kind of letting PlayStation Nintendo win. Excuse me, in that competition and that landscape where people are like, 
you know, who is better? You know, like, look at how many consoles PlayStation sells. You, it, you can't compete with that. And right. The Switch just passed Xbox One sales. So, like, they, like, we talk about this, um, in the past couple of months we've been talking, they're less and less focusing on console sales. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get that. Like, and that's the new direction for Microsoft. And right. if they're, if their focus is cloud gaming, yeah. It's going to be Google and Amazon. That's who you have to worry about. Right. At least currently. Like PlayStation could very easily step right into that threshold and be a competitor. And then he might have to back up some steps and say PlayStation's back as a competitor. But, right. You know, in his mind right now, he's not focusing on them. And that, and that's literally what he meant by they're not his competitor anymore. Well, and I think, you know, we, you know, like you alluded to, we have talked about on this podcast many, many times that, yeah, Xbox is pivoting. They're not worried about how many, do they want to sell a whole bunch of Xbox Series Xs if they can? Sure. Yeah. But that's not the business model that they're creating anymore. They're going away from that. Whereas it seems like, you know, Nintendo and PlayStation are still very much console manufacturers. They're still making game consoles. Um, I think the thing that it said is that Spencer said Sony and Nintendo are, quote, out of position relative to Microsoft and its new competitors when it comes to what he called the ultimate goal, figuring out how to make gaming accessible to as many people as possible. And I think that just goes to show that they're not looking, they're looking at things differently than they used to. Now I will say it's, (laughs) there is the, you know, the skeptic in me, or if I wanted to be snarky about it and I could be like, Oh yeah, you're saying that they're not your competitors anymore because you're losing. Right. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. we just don't want to play this game anymore because we can't win, so we're playing this other game. So yeah, they're they're not our competitor, right? Because we're playing a totally different game. But I do think that they recognize where their bread and butter is and where they can make the most impact, and that's what they're pivoting to. And I think that's good for them. I I do think, in theory, PlayStation and Nintendo could be competitive and successful still releasing just a more quote-unquote traditional game console experience yeah i still think that there are a lot of people who want that but in 10 years i don't know if there's a lot of people who will want that and by pivoting now microsoft is going to get there much faster than nintendo or sony ever would um and you know like i said they, they have the services that's really what their goal is now is to get people connected to their services so then they can cancel your price and charge you more than they said they were going to um <laughs> So there's my snark for the day. Um, but yeah, I, I, I thought this was really blown out of proportion. I, I thought it was a people not understanding or wanting to understand that Microsoft is playing a different game now and that it's not the traditional quote unquote console war anymore because the box matters way less than it ever used to. Um, so, yeah, I, I didn't think I, even as a Sony fan, I was like, yeah, that makes sense. I totally get why he's saying that. It's people have been it's like people have been saying all this time, like they want a winner in this thing, and then once they have one, now they're mad. Right? Like they're not taking their ball and going home. They're going, okay, we aren't going to win this. Let's let's pivot and let's do something different right. to make money. Like, right? They're just trying to survive. <laughs> yes. Well, I think Microsoft's doing a pretty good job of surviving. <laughs> yeah, they're doing fine. It's cr- it's kind of crazy that we have to pick a loser in console wars when you sell 40 million Xbox Ones. <laughs> right, for sure. Um, can I just make one other kind of snarky comment? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I just thought this was really funny, and no one really said this, which I, that at least that I saw, which I thought was funny. Uh, remember how it was like maybe a month ago when Phil Spencer came out and said that 
uh, he performs frames to resolution. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You remember that? And I, in my mind, all I wanted to do was quote that and then respond with like, yeah, that's why you put you ingrain 60 FPS into all of your chips. <laughs> well, I mean, that is a thing. That is a decision they decided to make. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, that was my other snarky moment that I never shared with anyone, but I thought was really funny. That is funny. So anyway. Okay, Josh, it is that time of year again. Yes. Metaspring is back, our twice-a-year contest, pitting you and your knowledge of video games against everyone else, and that you is the royal you, not just Josh. Correct. So, fan- <laughs> yes, fantasy video leagues have really become all of the rage, um, and I want to be clear that our approach is very different than those. You don't have to draft games and hope that they'll outscore your opponents. Instead, we can all play this together, and we're challenging you to most accurately predict the Metacritic score of every game on our list of 10. And the beauty of this is you get to play along with everyone and you have a chance to win surprises, dear listeners. So this isn't a thing where you have to be in a draft room at a certain time and you have X amount of money to draft games. Oh, no, 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 no. We will just give you a list of 10 games. You guess what the Metacritic score is. Um, and if you're super good at it, you can win some prizes. So a brief rundown of the rules. So you will submit your guess for each game and the score you think it will receive on Metacritic. If the game is on multiple platforms, we'll use the PS4 score. Um, if it is an Xbox PC title, it'll we'll use the Xbox score. Uh, the Metacritic score of the game on May 31st, 2020 is the score that I will pull and use for final scoring. Uh, each score submitted will be compared against the Metacritic score. And for each point of difference between the guess and the Metacritic score, you would earn one point. For example, if you guess that Ori and the Will of the Wisps will receive an 85 and it receives an 88, you would earn three points. At the end of the competition, the person with the lowest total score is the winner. If a game is delayed but still within the contest window, it will still be a part of the contest. But if a game is delayed out of the contest window, it just gets dropped. And the last day of the contest is May 31st, 2020. So any game that gets pushed out past that date is eliminated from the competition. And submissions are due by 11.59 p.m. on Sunday, March 8th. So you have plenty of time to get your entries in. And you might say, but Kyle, how do I submit my entry? It's very, very simple. We have a bit.ly link for you, which is just bit.ly slash metaspring, all lowercase, which is important for bit.ly's. And if you've never used one before, it's bit.ly slash m-e-t-a-s-p-r-i-n-g. Just fill out the form there, and you will be entered into the contest. Josh. Hi. Any rules or anything that I covered that you think I should clarify are important for me to make sure are uh, cleared up before we start making our guesses? No, uh, just it's easy to do. If you're listening, literally go to our Twitter, click the link, and enter. You are... (laughs) There's no, nothing extra you have to do. Correct. And we're not spamming your emails. We don't sell your information. It's literally just something Kyle put together for you to hopefully win something. And That's right. There's been plenty of past winners of our meta contests to Indeed. prove that's true. Oh, I probably should talk about the prizes. I didn't talk about the prizes, did I? Uh, you didn't, no. Okay, prizes. So if you are the person who has the lowest score, overall score, you'll win a $60 Amazon gift card. If you finish in second place, you will win a $30 Amazon gift card. And if you are, this is this one bounces around a little bit. 
the the spirit of it is that it's somebody who does something extraordinary will win a $20 Amazon gift card. Typically, what the criteria for that is, is someone who guesses the most number of games spot on, but hasn't won a prize already. Right. Now, if no one fits that criteria, we will come up with another awesome criteria to do it off of. Um, but the goal is really just for someone who tried really hard, but things just didn't quite out work that just didn't quite work out their way. Um, that person will win a $20 gift card. So again, like I said, there's the bit.ly link. It'll be our pinned tweet. We'll be advertising it a lot. Uh, so we hope that you will go ahead and join us with that. Josh, let's get into this list of games. First one, number one, Josh, man, this this list has changed really significantly <laughs> from when I first put this together because we were originally going to do this show in January and then everything and his mom got delayed. So now we are here doing it in February uh, and we still have a little bit of time. But the first game on the list that we are going to try to guess the score for Ori and the Will of the Wisps releasing March 10th. Published by Xbox Game Studios, developed by Moon Studios. This is coming to Xbox and PC. Josh, what do you think? So, you know, Ori and the Blind Forest really is Moon Studios' only other game. Yeah. They had, you know, Ori and the Blind Forest and then, like, the definitive edition of it. But that's really the only other game or the only game Moon Studios has done. Uh, What is your prediction for the score this game will get? You know, this is a tough one. Uh... Because we we really don't know why this game has been delayed, what's going on with right. it. So, and I'm gonna I'm gonna participate on the contest as we go on. So we have my scores logged. Um, but I'm thinking a safe bet for Ori is an 85. 85 for Ori and the Will of the Wisps. Josh, that seems a little low. I'm kind of surprised you went there. Yeah, I'm going to, I think I'm going to trend a little lower on this one since I tend to, my, <laughs> our past meta contests, I've been kind of all over the place. So I think 85 is safe. I think it could go, it could be an 88, um, but I would hate for it to be an 82 and me guess an 88. Gotcha. Okay, I can understand that. And this one, this uh, meta contest is, interesting as well as we have a lot of quote unquote uh exclusive games on this one way more than we usually do yeah um i'm gonna go ahead i have yet to play ori i really want to play ori uh it's a game i've been very very interested in just haven't gotten around to it yet but i love the look of it i love the the audio design of ori i think it's great this seems like a game that's just up my alley i haven't gotten to i'm gonna go positive on this i think they're gonna knock it out of the park i think this game might be a game of the year contender I'm saying Ori and the Will of the Wisps gets a 92. Oh, that's good. That's a good space between us. I like that. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I'm 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 going to be bringing it this time. Yeah. You know, I've I've won so many times. I got to give you an opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Next game then coming out March 20th. This is a game I know are Nintendo fans who probably are very few because of how much we're talking no about. No cross saves, no trading, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> uh, Animal Crossing New Horizons out March 20th, obviously published and developed by Nintendo. Um, Animal Crossing, a game, uh, a franchise that has a passionate, passionate fan base. Um, uh-huh. If you look back over the past games in the series, and I actually had to go to a Wikipedia to do this because there's so many little offshoots that I didn't know what the main games were. <laughs> uh, but Animal Crossing originally came out in 2001, had an 87. Uh, Animal Crossing Wild World came out in 2005 with an 86. 
Animal Crossing City Folk 2008 with a 73, and Animal Crossing New Leaf in 2012 with an 88. Uh, I'm not a, I'm not an Animal Crossing person. Are you, Josh? Have you played this franchise at all? Uh, I I played the mobile game for like a minute, but uh, my wife is very excited for it. But no, it's not not a very appealing uh, theme to me. Okay, and I'm kind of in the same boat. It's just something that has never really um, appealed significantly to me. I know, obviously, New Leaf sold very very well. People are very excited for it. Uh, I think it's going to stay in the same ballpark as New Leaf because I think the people who will review it will be thing that will be people who enjoy it. But kind of like the things you talked about, there's going to be a few things that are going to hold it back from doing exceptionally well. Yeah. But I still think it's going to get a very solid score. I think Animal Crossing uh, is going to get an 87. Hmm. I like your guess. Donnie, you're going to be mad at me, but I'm going to give it that switch bump up to a 90. 90? I don't think it deserves it, but I bet it's a 90. <laughs> Do you think he'll play this game at all? Uh, I mean, no. I'll watch my wife play it. Um, okay. And then, and then I guess... There is a possibility it could uh, suck me in to want to play mm-hmm. it if it looks good. Um, but as of right now, I don't have any interest in playing it. Gotcha. All right. Uh, next game on the list coming out March 20th, a game that was actually originally in our Meta Fall contest and got delayed. So now it is in our Meta Spring contest. Doom Eternal, published by Bethesda, developed by id Software. Josh, what are your thoughts on Doom Eternal? I'm thinking we're looking at a solid release. Um, everyone was such a big fan of Doom, except for me. Apparently, I was the only one. Um, I prefer Doom 3 if people played that because it was slower paced. Um, and I, it was more survival horror-y than this like arcade hell shooter, which is the new Doom. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think we're going to see it at 87. 87? Okay. Have you looked at any of the preview stuff for this game? Um, I the only stuff I've really looked at was what we saw um, at E3, uh, and because okay. it didn't interest me, I didn't really delve deeper into it. So yeah, it's interesting because there was a preview event for it eh, maybe a couple weeks ago, and some people came out saying that this could be a game of the year contender from that preview event, uh, and that is apparently a, a rather lengthy campaign. I think some people said even into the, like the twenty hour range for the campaign. For this game, supposedly, because they played the first three hours of it at that preview. Do you want to play 20 hours of crazy running around shooting 50 things in your face all the time? I don't get the appeal. I don't know if I do. (laughs) I mean, maybe I do. I don't know. Uh, I started the one from the Doom 2016. I started. I didn't get super far in it, not because I didn't like it. Just other things kind of uh, pulled me away. And I thought about going back to play that game prior to this one coming out. But I I just don't know if I'm going to have time to do that. Uh Doom 2016 got an 85, so pretty solid scores. You know, your 87 is kind of where I was thinking it was likely going to go, but I, I don't want to have us be too close together. Um, Yeah, I'm going to go ahead. I'll go up a little bit. I'll say I think it's going to be an 89. Okay. People are seeming pretty positive on it. I, I don't know if it'll quite, you know, crack that 90 area, but I think 89 seems pretty reasonable. All right, next game on the list coming out March 24th, published by Xbox Game Studios and developed by Ninja Theory, coming to Xbox and PC, one of their thousand games they're working on, (laughs) Uh, Bleeding Edge. Josh, yeah, I'll go first with giving my score, but what is your excitement level interest in Bleeding Edge? 
Well, my excitement level and interest level are two different levels. I'm interested to see what the heck this game is going to be. My excitement Uh level is uh, significantly lower than that. (laughs) Okay. Why is that? Uh, I I don't know that we need this game. Uh, It doesn't seem to be very interesting. Um, From the very little you've seen of, like, kind of gameplay, it looks clunky and odd. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it reminds me of, uh, um, maybe a worse version of, of, um, Battleborn. I don't really know okay. what to expect. Um, but, um, uh, I have it pre-installed through Game Pass cause uh, right. the beta I think is coming up soon. Yes. So I mean, I'm interested to see what it's all about. I like Ninja Theory. I just, I don't, I don't know about this one. Yeah, I wish I would have had a chance to play this prior to making this guess because, <laughs> you know, this is the first game on the list that is a new IP mm. and that always makes it really hard. It's a team that is doing a lot of different styles of games. Granted, they've made some really good action games in the past, uh, but I don't know that they have a ton of experience with online multiplayer action games. Right. Um so yeah, I'm really interested in this game as someone who obviously really loves Overwatch. It's kind of the style of this game, the different unique heroes of this game, having it be a multiplayer, I think kind of objective-based game is intriguing to me. Uh, Yeah, I just really wish I could have played it once before, (laughs) I guess. Uh, But I'm going to say that this is going to be a good, not great game. I'm going to say Bleeding Edge gets an 80. Okay, I'm, I'm a bit lower than you. I'm at a 72. Wow, that's not that's a lot lower. Seventy two, eh? But to me, seventies is still good games. Like I know I my scale is a little different than some people's on the internet's, but I think seventies are still good games. Right. Yeah, I just think with the having Xbox behind them now, I, I think that they might have been able to pump a little more money and a little more time into the game. So I, I'm thinking maybe it. And I know it was in development before they got bought, but yeah. I think that that might push it to the next level. All right, Josh, this next game is a game I have no idea what to guess. Yeah. Uh, published and developed by Valve, uh, the first game they've released in a bit outside of <laughs> Artifact, which I don't even think exists anymore, uh, Half-Life Alex, And this is the first time we've done a PC-only game. Yeah. Uh, and a VR game at that. So, Josh, talk to me about Half-Life Alex. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's a little worrisome that it's their first visit back to Half-Life since Half-Life 2, the episodes from Orange Box on the 360 and PC. Right. Um, I, I don't, I don't know what to expect because this, as much as it's titled, this is not a Half-Life game per se. Right. Um, I think the big question is, is this going to be, um, an actual full fleshed out game, or was this a tech demo that they're making into a release? Right. Um, and 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 I, I I don't know that anyone has the answer to that except for Valve yet. Uh, I'm gonna say seventy five. I'm staying low. Wow. It's VR. Your audience is limited. People are going to be extra critical with oculus and vive and all these different vr experiences will it play the same on all of them some controllers are different than others so you're not maybe getting the same experience based on which headsets you're using is it on every headset there's a lot of variables for this 
even if it's a 75, I don't think that's bad. I just think right. that speaks more to my idea that it's a tech demo game than a right. full-fledged game. Right. So you say you think that if this is a really good, tight three-hour experience, people, critics are going to give it a lower score because they're going to see it as a tech demo rather than a complete experience. If you're paying, yeah, I think that the cost will factor the review score as well. So if you're paying full price for a short game, that will mm-hmm. definitely, I think, I think, affect the review score. Okay. Well, Josh, you know, this game is all about differentiation. Every once in a while, we got to throw faith to the wind and just hope. Yeah. And I really hope for a bright, promising future for VR. Mm. And I think if anything is going to help do that, it's going to be Half-Life Alex. And I think Half-Life Alex is going to get an 88. Wow, that is a big swing. You don't think that Beat Saber is the game to to get VR popular? Don't poke holes <laughs> in my theory, Josh. Okay. We're not here for that right now. <laughs> All right. I just, just, I was just thinking about it. Okay. Yeah, I mean, but clearly, I don't think that often. So that's a really good point, though. Anyway, next game on the list, uh, coming from a company who's definitely had a resurgence the last few years, published and developed by Capcom, coming out on PC, Xbox, and PS4, Resident Evil 3, releasing April 3rd. Uh, interesting thing to note, Josh, I don't think there is a quote-unquote remake moniker that is part of this title. I think it's just called Resident Evil 3. Mm, just implied remake, I guess, right? Yeah, I guess so. Which... Yeah, so in in the uh, Metaspring sheet, I think I put parentheses remake. Yeah, you did. Yeah, Uh, yeah, whereas like another game that we'll talk about in a few minutes has remake in the title. This one does not. And just like two did, but this one doesn't apparently. Anyway, published and developed by Capcom. Uh, They have been doing some really good work in recent years. Uh, I will obviously still guess first, but Josh, thoughts on Resident Evil 3? I'm excited to um, get my hands on it. Uh, I was just like Resident Evil 2, which I should, I need to finish. Um, I was a big fan of this uh, game, Resident Evil 3, when it came out back in the day. Um, and they did an incredible job with Resident Evil 2. It should be the standard for remakes. Uh, going forward for any company, that's that's the game that people should look at when they are deciding to to remake a game. So good on them. So here's my next question for you, and I, because I, I want feedback on this because I didn't know how to how to handle this. Hmm. Um, and whatever we decide now is what will be official. Um, so if somebody asks later, they can listen back to this. Currently on Metacritic, Resident Evil Three and Resident Evil Resistance are separated. Yes. Yeah. So, but they come in like when you buy Resident Evil Three, you just get Resistance, right? Do we are we considering it a separate game? Are we just looking at the score for Three? I'm assuming, right? Do we like I didn't think about the fact or consider that sites would score those two things separately. I thought it would be scored as one package. Um, I think it, we should be looking at the score for Three, not Resistance. I agree there, but my question being, do you think sco- sites are going to score these as two separate things? They like should. If- okay. I don't know that they will. That's the question, right? I mean, yeah. I think it just depends on how much of an effort they make in the menus and the game itself to differentiate the two and not that right. this is just their online mode. Right. And I guess there are sites that are doing that. I think, you know, for the new Call of Duty, IGN scored each of the different things individually and then gave it an overall score. So I guess that is a thing that is starting to happen now. So obviously, just listener will look at the Resident Evil 3 score. Um, I 
what I was trying to figure out is, you know, if Resistance isn't good, is that going to pull down the score of Resident Evil 3? That's what I was trying to process in my head. Yeah, it's totally possible if they decide um, to hold that against Resident Evil 3. Um, right. You know, I do. I don't think everything I've seen from Pre- Project Resistance does like leads me to believe it's not going to be great. So, um, so maybe maybe it will uh, bring the score down. But I guess, I mean, we just have to go with what Metacritic says. Period. So, like, some places might review them together. Right. Some might do it individually. So, I, you know, I just I don't know the. Um, you'll have a choice, unfortunately. Yeah, the other thing I'm trying to figure out is I know that Resident Evil 3 is not as universally beloved as Resident Evil 2 was, or Nemesis wasn't. So I'm trying to decide if I think that if they do a a good job of making this game better, if people will score it even higher because it improved a game they didn't like, or is it just going to always be a game that they like less, so it's just going to score less anyway overall? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. Um, I think that there's going to be a lot of people playing this game that never played three, especially younger right. reviewers. So I don't, I don't know that I would worry too much about the the fact that Resident Evil Three originally it wasn't uh, like as favorable as one or two. I think it's right. really going to be what they do with the game. All right. Well, I've decided my score. I've locked it in, meaning I wrote it down on a piece of paper with a pen. Uh, I am saying this is going to score just slightly below where Resident Evil 2 did. Uh, I'm going to say it gets an 89. Okay. Well, I shot for the stars on this one. I think it's going to get a ni- ah. 93. Stars. <laughs> All right. Next one on the list is a game that does have remake in the title, and we've been anticipating for, you know, five years or something like that at this point. Final Fantasy VII Remake, coming out April 10th, published and developed by Square Enix uh, on PS4 for a year of exclusivity, so you'll see it elsewhere next April. Uh, Josh, what are you thinking? Final Fantasy VII, this is a game people are super hyped about. Uh, They've obviously put a ton of work into it. You know, there might be some drawbacks because it's, you know, kind of only the first third of the game. Yeah. Uh, How do you think this is going to do? What are your thoughts on it? Um, I think this looks incredible. Everything I've seen, uh, it it's exponentially better every time I've seen something new. Right. So uh, I think I'm put, I'm sitting at a 95, and I think that's maybe low. <laughs> wow, 95. I, I think because it's it's kind of like a piecemeal game that it'll be like because it's not a full like it's a full game, but it's not a full game. Do you know what I mean? Right. I think it's I think it's that makes it easier to get a higher score. Because it's some of its parts, right? And if the content, like I know Final Fantasy VII, and I know the the beginning of Seven is the some is has some of the best parts of Seven, and then maybe Final Fantasy VII Remake Part Two is a lower score because it's not uh, as exciting of content, and then right. the conclusion will be maybe higher. Like I think it all is going to depend on what we're playing and what part of the game it represents and knowing seven's beginning. I really feel like this could be a very high scoring of a high review uh, game. Right. Yeah. I tend to agree with you. I think this game is going to review pretty well. I do think there might be, depending on how they handle certain things without spoiling anything in the game. I think there might be some um, disappointment in a few things and maybe not updating them to uh, what would maybe be looked at as uh current societal trends yeah 
but uh, I still think everything I've seen for the game, especially from a game page perspective, from a presentation, graphics, sound perspective, this game looks pretty incredible. So as long as that's not just the really good stuff and everything else is really bad, I agree. I think this game is going to score very high. I am sticking with what I had in my mind, despite what you said. Um, I'm thinking it's going to have a 93. Okay, that's pretty close. I mean, yeah, the big thing for me... One of the big things for me when thinking of the score is also we're just looking at PlayStation reviews. Yeah. Um, and that is a big factor, I think, um, at least for keeping the scores pretty close to each other, um, unlike the swings we've seen in like past games. Right. For sure. For sure. Uh, next game on this list is a game I'm super curious about. Uh, it is a game being published by Sony, uh, developed by Ilphonic due to come out april 24th that is predator hunting grounds Mm. uh this is a situation where i am giving my score first but josh what do you think are you do you have any interest in this game at all i think it looks really cool um it uses one of the mechanics i really like in board games which is the one versus everyone um mechanic and i know we're still waiting on the video game to perfect that uh, Dead by Daylight, uh, yeah. Evolve, yeah. Um, games like that. Uh, I don't necessarily think this is going to perfect that. I think it right. might fit comfortably around the Dead by Daylight's um, like area because you're still playing as like a villain esque character with superpowers ish. Um, but everything I've seen about the game, it looks like they're working real hard to make sure it balances real well. Right. Um, where, you know, you're not feeling like the Predator is super overpowered. But if you don't play smart, it definitely could feel that way. Um, and as the Predator, if you're making mistakes or you're spending a lot of time on the ground, you'll be at a disadvantage. So yep. there's a lot of interesting things going on for this game, for sure. Okay, so Josh, here's my problem or my concern. Ilphonic, the developer. Yes. Uh, made a game back in 2012 called Nexels, which I don't even, I've never even heard of this game. Uh, on 360, the Metacritic score was a 64. Uh, they made the Friday the 13th, the game, which came out oh, in 2017, no. <laughs> which was loved. People loved, like, that has a strong following. Yeah. Uh, had a 61 on Metacritic. Um, and then they are credited on the box of this game called Dead Alliance that came out okay. in 2017. Uh, that has a 48 on Metacritic. Oh, my. Oh, my. Oh my. Uh, th- that's all of their games, Josh. <laughs> that's all of them. Their oh, highest rated uh, game is a 64. And that game would have been much higher if they actually supported the game after they released it. Right. <laughs> so this is where my, my problem comes in. I don't know what to do with this because I would like to think that since Sony is publishing this game, yeah, that they're going to be able to provide additional money and support to make this good. But, I mean, Sony has released some stinkers. Sure. <laughs> so, you know, I just, I want to believe in this game. I'm excited about the premise. I think it seems cool. It is a budget price game. I think it's only $40. Uh, it, it Like you said, it, you know, that one versus many is something that I would like to be done successfully in a video game. And I think they're, with what they're doing in this game, there's the chance it could be good. I'm just worried that because of the the track history, there there's a a ceiling on how good this game could possibly be. Sure, that doesn't mean people might not enjoy it or have fun playing it. I, I just wonder how quality is going to be, and as a result of that, I'm saying that it is going to be the best game Ilphonic has ever released. <laughs> uh, but I also mean that it is going to be get a 72. Oh, okay. I'm at a 77 on this one. 
Okay. That's the first time. Oh, no. Second time in a row and you've been higher. Oh, yeah. 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 Otherwise, I've been higher than you on. Oh, no. Third time in a row because you gave Resident Evil 3. Apparently, we're switching roles here at the end. of the at the end. <laughs> All right. Just a couple games to go. Next game on the list. Another PlayStation exclusive game. But this Ooh. one is a VR game uh, published by Sony Interactive, developed by Camouflage. Marvel's Iron Man VR slated for May 15th was originally slated for this February. We're actually supposed to be playing it pretty quick here. Um, now pushed to May. Uh, Josh, I'm actually going to guess again on this one because okay. I want you to guess first on the last one. Yeah. Uh, but just in general, <laughs> what are your thoughts as a person who is newly minted and loving the world of VR? Where are you sitting? Well, I'll be honest with you. Because of that, I have uh, zero idea what this game is or uh, conceptually or, or what you're going to be doing. I have paid mm-hmm. no attention to it because I just really wasn't paying attention to VR um, at all, period. Uh, right. So I don't even know. I don't know what to expect. Um, I, I don't know Camouflage as a studio. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if they've made good games or not. I suppose I could probably scroll down here and click on the link that you provided to me <laughs> so I could uh, look and see how they score. So I was not a fan of Republic, which is like their only game. Um, yeah, so I don't I don't really even know what a safe bet is. Well, I know what a safe bet is. Uh, I don't really know where to guess on this. So I'm glad you're going first. All right. Well, I am someone who has been following this game. Um, now, here's my my question, Josh, for you very briefly. Hmm. Um, did you? So you played Republic? Yeah, way back when. I don't know if it was the full game or like if it was like a demo out or something. But okay, I do recall um, experiencing that game. It might have been a PC. Did it come out on PC? It did come out on PC. It might have yeah. been on PC. Okay. Uh, so I think. Between Marvel and Sony and Camouflage working on this, I don't think this is going to be a bad game. But I do think this is going to be a game that is going to kind of sit in the it's it's good, it's fine category. Yeah. I think it's probably going to be pretty short. I think that, you know, Republic or excuse me, Camouflage's work in VR has been good. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I think that will hopefully continue here because in theory, it seems Marvel, for the most part, is not giving their game outs their game rights out just willy nilly so i'm gonna go ahead i think this is gonna get a an 80 i think it's gonna fall right at that category people will say it's good but not great 80 okay all right i'll dial it up for some fanboy um scores and i'll give it an 83 all right just because you can play as iron man that and that is fun no doubts there all right josh Last game on the list, another game that we were supposed to be playing here very shortly, but got pushed a little bit, uh, another PlayStation exclusive, and that's just kind of what's going on this season. There's a lot of exclusive content mm. for a lot of consoles this, this spring here. Um, published by Sony, developed by Naughty Dog, The Last of Us Part 2, coming May 29th. Josh, what say you about The Last of Us Part 2? Well, I don't think I'm allowed to have an opinion because I didn't finish Part 1. You're still allowed to have an opinion, 100%. I know, I was being facetious. Uh, uh, <laughs> um, In fact, you're forced to have an opinion for this. I, I you know, I, I didn't have a problem with part one, except the fact that by the time I got to it, it just felt old. Uh, okay. And I know that's a controversial opinion. I just no. didn't enjoy my time with it. That being said, 
everything about The Last of Us Part Two makes me think I'll enjoy my time with it. It looks right. to be um, a very good game. I will say um, I've had some strong opinions on what we've seen from the game in the past on this mm-hmm. podcast. Yes, you have. I still don't know that what we have seen more most recently confirms or denies my suspicions. You're still calling them a liar. Continue on. <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> um, but the pedigree of this game, I don't think, can be ignored. And right. I, I think, I don't think this will be a bad game. Naughty Dog doesn't make bad games. Have you clicked on the link I gave you yet? I get- <laughs> don't, don't, don't click on it. Don't click on it. Don't click on it. Don't click on it. Here's a question I'm going to ask you. Okay. What do you think the average Metacritic score is for Naughty Dog as a company? Ugh. What is the average score of all of their games? That's tough to guess. Uh, 76. 88. Okay. So that's way higher than I thought it would be, um, which makes sense. I mean, they like uh, <laughs> I'm such a huge fan of Uncharted. Yeah. Um, their, their lowest score ever is a 76 for Jack X Combat Racing. Oh, um, yeah, I'm looking at user score, that's why. <laughs> yeah, so in, like, the platformers, I'm just not a fan of the platformers. Uh, so, that being said, I think this game is going to be in the 90s, right? Okay. So, like, where do I put? I think I have to give it, like, a two to three point bump for fans of Naughty Dog. Okay. Um, I'm going to say 97. I know that's wicked high. Um, I don't necessarily, I, I just have this feeling that we're going to get this, this is going to be the Breath of the Wild, right? This is going to be the game of the new decade kind of like talk, like when it comes out. Right. So I just right. really feel like everything about this game is leaning to that direction where I think 97 could be low. <laughs> okay. I just don't have the, I'm not comfortable guessing higher than 97 97 is really really (laughs) high so that's totally reasonable um so have you seen the recent um articles forum posts etc that have been going up that are talking about how there's no way this game can ever live up to the hype i haven't seen those um So, so that's a current trend that's kind of going on right now that um you know that because of how when this game was first announced how much people love the original last of us um what we've seen about it because of the controversy about the game of not so much of you know are the animations real but like of the brutality yeah uh of all of that that's going on um that there's no way this game is going to live up to what people are thinking or expecting of it and part of me is really worried that that might happen because with, you know, yeah, like I said, you know, the average score of a Naughty Dog game, all their games ever is an 88. That's really high, yeah. you know, and I love the Uncharted series and I, and I like The Last of Us a lot, a lot, a lot. So part of me is really excited for this game and think it's going to do amazing. But there's a very, very small part of me that's wondering kind of that nagging in the back of my head of is there going to be some concerns with where the story goes that people are going to, I don't want to say nitpick, but they're going to be very upset about or don't don't feel things are satisfying with where how they go out. Um, is the game going to be too long? They've talked about how this is the biggest game ever and it's a stressful world. Are people going to want to spend that much time in that world? So I'm really worried about this game and that it might score very, not very low, but lower than we're thinking it's going to. 
But with that being said, I'm super excited for it. So a big part <laughs> of me just wants to like embrace my fandom and just say, I don't care. I'm really excited for this game. I'm going to give it a good score. And that's what I'm going to end up doing. I'm not going to go quite as high as you. Uh, but I do think that it is going to be in the ballpark with Final Fantasy VII Remake. I think it's going to get a 93. Okay. But I'm going on record now saying if this game's Metacritic scores in the mid 80s, it wouldn't surprise me. What's um What's Red Dead Redemption Two at? Do you know? Uh, I can look really quick. Because if you want to talk about, um, ninety seven. Okay, that's insane. Because that game is arguably a bad game, <laughs> and that's it true. is incredibly long. And if people are worried about like Last of Us Two being very large, uh, I think Red Dead is the example to look at. If you have an engaging story, like uh, like Last of Us Two is going to live and die by how well the story is told, not necessarily right. if they've been lying to us about what the graphics <laughs> look like. Um, yeah. Because Red Dead 2 is not for everyone, except you would no. imagine that that score leads you to believe it's for everyone. That's true. That is an excellent point. I, I would agree there. Um, yeah, like I said, I'm just excited for the game. And in the end, kind of like we've talked about, I don't really care where it scores. Right. Um, I'm just still looking forward to playing for the game. And that's so- all that matters. Yeah, as a recap, uh, for Ori and the Will of the Wisp, Josh is guessing 85, I'm guessing 92. Animal Crossing, Josh has at 90, I have at 87. Uh, Doom Eternal, Josh has at 87, I have at 89. Bleeding Edge, Josh is at 72, I'm an 80. Half-Life Alex, 75 for Josh, 88 for me. Resident Evil 3, 93 for Josh, 89 for me. Uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake, 95 and 93, respectively. Predator, Josh has it at 77. I have at a 72. Marvel's Iron Man VR, 83 for Josh, 80 for me. And The Last of Us Part 2, 97 and 93. So, dear listener, we would love, love, love to know what your predicted scores are. So, check out our pinned tweet that we'll have up um, shortly after this episode comes out. Or you can go to bit.ly slash metaspring, all lowercase. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash M-E-T-A-S-P-R-I-N-G. With that, Josh, I know we have a question or two from our listeners. Why don't we go through those? Sure. Let's start. Uh, Super listener Splig at Dopalicious comes in with the, you're not going to delay it to December 2020. And to this, I say, you are, uh, like, it's like you're in the same room as Kyle and I, because we've (laughs) already talked about potentially having to do that. Um, that is correct. Though I will say, there's so few games slated for, like, actually scheduled for summer right now. Yeah. Once you get beyond May, there's like nothing. That's it's okay. very interesting. I'm good with that. I am too. Maybe I'll play Ma- Mass Effect Andromeda. Uh, <laughs> and then yeah, Splig asks, uh, "What board games cross the threshold into collectors' items for you?" Uh, he says, "I doubt I'll ever get to play all through the villains and villainous, but I want every set. Uh, just well made, and I love Disney." Wingspan's pushing that as well, and we'll add... Oh, then that's Kyle's comment. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, for me, um, uh, if you want specifically what board games cross the threshold, uh, I have the Ticket to Ride uh, Collector's Edition. Uh, Fireball Island has definitely moved to the collector's item more than gets played. Uh, I had the Dice Throne Season 2 Big Box, uh, Cloud Spire, which is what we just got, uh, packs unplugged and then i'm foundations of rome will join that group of games i will probably never get rid of and will always be uh uh have its own little shelf space dedicated to it 
Yeah. It's a great question, you know, when I think about it from Splig's perspective of, you know, what it is a game that you get everything for. Yeah. Uh, it, it used to be Dominion that kind of stopped. I, I didn't get quite all there, all the way there. Uh, it was Legendary for a while. For legendary sure, yeah. is a game I bought like every expansion for when it first came out. But that also has kind of petered out. Uh, same with Ticket to Ride. Have pretty much every map pack for it. Um, the funny thing about that, though, is having moved multiple times, those are games that have been with me since while well, all that move, moving was happening. All of those games are in horrendous shape. The boxes <laughs> are in really rough shape because of all of the moving. They were in storage for a while, which is never good for board games. So it's interesting because the games that I have and put the most time into collecting everything for are actually the games that are in like the worst shape in my collection. <laughs> uh, and I have actually thought about just buying an entirely new set of Ticket to Ride. Buying really? the, board, the base game, all the new, because they're in such rough shape. They would still play fine, but the boxes look real rough. Um, and it would just make me my heart a little happier when they're sitting on my shelves. But that seems like a really poor way to spend money. Mm. So I haven't done it. <laughs> but yeah, no, I yeah, I, I don't know what I have coming up soon that's going to kind of fit into that right now. Uh, Wingspan is definitely a good option. Uh, love the game a lot. Definitely uh, looking at getting the next the Oceana spa- expansion when that gets, comes out. Um, but yeah, we'll just kind of have to wait and see. But that's a great question. Yes, I 100% agree. Awesome. Well, hey, it's about time to kind of bring this show into the station. So with that, we're going to leave you with a recommendation for a well-rounded life. Something else Josh and I are currently into that's kind of helping us live that balanced life. Josh, what is your recommendation? So mine's a half cheat. It is gaming related, uh, but it is um, something that has become a new um, routine for me, and that's gamifying uh, exercise. Uh, and that includes Box VR for PSVR and Ring Fit Adventure on the Switch. Um, something that I've always struggled with is um, consistently working out, especially if it's to the gym where I don't like to go solo. Um, it's a lot easier for me now to just do um, three to four days a week uh, with a game because you still feel like your gaming and while it's not necessarily a substitute for like going to the gym and weightlifting and all these kinds of things i'm already thinking about if box vr gets too easy i can literally just add weighted gloves to my hands i can add weights to my legs there's ways around it to continue making it more of a serious uh, routine um and it also is it's gotten me to make sure I'm eating better before and after a workout and I'm eating the right things. Um, even if it's for that, that small part of my day where I do this, it's still a greater improvement over, um, what I have not been doing. Uh, so Mm -hmm. gamify your exercise. That is awesome. And I'm going to, something, there's a lot of us at PSVG have gotten (laughs) into, as of late, which is awesome to see. It's a nice little group of us there. Feel free to join the Discord. You can chat with us all about those things. Uh, mine is also slightly gaming related, uh, but as the you know we're recording this on the 9th, which means it was the opening weekend for the Overwatch League, which I obviously am a huge fan of. So I'm just going to say, hey, if you've never checked out esports, obviously I like Overwatch, but whatever esport you think you might be interested in, give it a whirl. Check it out. See if it's something that you think you might be able to get into because it is really, most of them are very, very exciting to watch. There are esports that I watch that I have never played the game for. 
uh, CSGO being one of them. I watch CSGO from time to time. <laughs> Never played it. have no desire to play it. But watching the game is very, very cool. Um, so just give it a shot. I know as we get older and, you know, why would we want to watch people play games, yada, yada. I hear that. I understand that. But as, uh, you know, video games continue to grow and as they continue to become a bigger thing, esports are going to continue to grow and being able to at least have an understanding of everything going on there can be helpful um, because you know it's just one more step towards greater acceptance of our hobby in in culture um, and having a little bit of understanding esports can go a long way with that so if you've never tried it or it's been a while since you tried it just check out some esports see if there's one that you are interested in because it might be an exciting thing for you to throw on every once in a while while you're doing other stuff around the house or something like that or i mean you can sit down and just watch it like i do (laughs) but also a nice thing to just kind of have on from time to time as well Josh, what do you say we wrap this show up? Let's do it. Uh, thanks for joining us, everyone. In addition to finding us on Twitter and Instagram at Board with Fiji, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Board with Fiji. So feel free to give us a five-star rating over there. Also, if you want to communicate in the more long form, or you're just not feeling social media, please feel free to send us an email at boardwithvg at gmail.com. We tag our stuff with hashtag Board with Fiji, so please use that hashtag as well on all your social media so we can see what you're up to. And whatever podcast service you're listening to us on, we encourage you to give us a stellar rating. That is, whether you're downloading us from the PSVG feed, the Dice Tower Network feed, or our very own standalone Board with Video Games feed. You can find me on Xbox Live and PlayStation Network. At Why So Serious, that's S-I-R-R-I-U-S. Kyle, where can the people find you? So you can find me at all of the usual places. Twitter, Instagram, PlayStation Network, Xbox Live, Board Game Geek, Alt Psychocross, C-Y-C-O-C-R-O-S-S. Be sure to go and enter the Metaspring contest. Again, bit.ly slash Metaspring, all lowercase, B-I-T dot L-Y slash M-E-T-A-S-P-R-I-N-G. Or just look for our pinned tweet, which will have the link there as well. As always, if you have suggestions for future topics, be sure to reach out to us on the social media because we want to talk about what you want to hear about. And remember, everyone, whether it be board games or video games, never stop gaming.